Ephesians chapter 6. Some people say New Yorkers are rude. <laughs> Did I hear a yes from somewhere up here? <laughs> no, yeah, New Yorkers are very nice people. The animals in New York are not the nicest. We were in this gift shop and this duck walked in and bought some lipstick. And the person said, how are you going to pay for this? She said, just put it on my bill. <laughs> how many of you know? It's <laughs> a pretty bad one. How many of you know Raphael Samuel? How many of you hear that name? 2019, sues his parents. Listen to why. Sues his parents for giving him birth without his consent. It's a true lawsuit. Knowing that his parents were lawyers, decided to say, you know what? I didn't tell you to bring me into this world. So why did you do it? In fact, he has a belief. I've never, I I was looking at this. I never heard of this before. The anti-natalism. That's the belief that nobody should give birth to children anymore. Because this world is so wicked and full of misery. You ought to stop now. Stop having children. The world is a better place. Listen to this. Just the earth alone with animals. Humans should not even be here. So he, he, he does this lawsuit. And uh, knowing his parents are lawyers, guess what? He had a hard time doing. He had a hard time finding a lawyer. He couldn't find one. <laughs> because no one would want to take up his case. And, uh, and judges wouldn't even hear of it. But he has this following on, on Facebook and social media. And people wrote all kinds of things to him. And do you know why he came to this conclusion? Listen to this. He came to this conclusion because he asked his father, why did you have me? And his father had no answer. If somebody was to look at you and say to you, you, why do you have as many children as you have? Why did you have Audrey? Why Why do you keep having babies? Why do you stop? Uh, I'll never forget, Katie and I were walking in Argentina and, and we had our four, you know, little ducks that we have, our, our children, and, and, and they were, you know, one after another, and two ladies walk by, right? And they walk by and they look at them and go, oh, what a beautiful family. I mean, looking at me, what a beautiful family. No, looking at the kids. What a beautiful family you have. Keep going. Keep having them. Got more. And then one, the other lady goes, oh, what a beautiful family. Stop now. Stop. Four is enough. Stop it. Don't have any more. Two ladies walking by. And we, me and Katie are like, we don't even know these ladies. You know, and they're like, yeah, keep having more. One said, stop. It's amazing our attitude towards children. And as, as we look at this passage, I want to I just mention this here. Each child is born with three strikes against them. Are you ready, ready for this? Each child is born with three strikes, and you probably know what they are. They're born with a sinful nature. They come out sinners, and it's amazing what the Bible says about them. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. 
And, and let us not miss this because oftentimes we, 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 we mistake what, what uh, foolishness is and we make it rebellion. And really, oftentimes, it's just foolishness in their hearts. They're not trying to be rebellious. It's just how they come out. They come out with this foolishness. We all come out that way. Yesterday, it was funny. We went to go play tennis, me and the boys, and Joshua looked at me and says, we got everything we need for the tennis, don't we, Dad? We got everything we need in the back trunk. And so we go off to the tennis court. We had everything except one important thing to play tennis. We forgot tennis balls. <laughs> now, the father and me could get upset and say, that rebellious kid made me drive all the way to the tennis thing, to all the way to that, So and he had no ball. He's doing it in rebellion. No, it's not rebellion. And we need to be careful. Because oftentimes we, we see those things and, ah, he spilt his milk. What a rebellious kid. He did this. What a rebellious kid. What a rebe Can you believe that? And really it's foolishness that's bound up in the heart of a child. Here's what's interesting. The Bible says in Genesis 8.21 that the foolishness is not only starts at youth, but it continues as we are adults. So guess what? We are fools too, and we have more experience at it than they do. We've been fools a lot longer. But it's in nature. Every child is born with it. I don't care how cute, how sweet, how wonderful. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Look at the next thing they have against them. Sinful parents. Not only is it hard enough to deal with their own heart, their own sin, they got to deal with people who are sinners as well. And we make a lot of mistakes. Any amens there? I mean, you've been there. I look back at my parenting now. It's going to be close to 18 years of parenting here. And I'll tell you one thing. I've made a lot of mistakes. And I look back at it and I'm like, wow, how can I be so stupid? And how can I be so dumb? How can I do this? How can I do that? And I still make them. Some of you have children a lot older than 18. Chalmers kids are in their 90s. Yeah. Or close to it. <laughs> it's amazing when we have donut time and he looks at seven-year-olds and say, that was before your time. <laughs> Sinful parents. We're sinners. Sinful nature. And then the last thing is a sinful world. You want to bring children into this world? Where they pamper rebellion? I'm, I'm a pastor, I'm a parent, I'm a coach. I, I, I face this all the time. It used to be when the child was wrong, the authority would correct that and they would say, no, you're wrong, you need to change your life, you need to do this. And when, they th when the authority in their lives, whether it was a teacher or a pastor or a parent, what happened was they would go and they would side with the authority. Now... They side with the child. My baby can do no wrong. I remember the first camp I went to as a pastor here, and uh, the rules weren't mine. The rules were the camps. The camp set the rules out, and one of the children w w was disobeying the rules, so I had to confront that. I get a call from the parent out of the blue. I'm like, yeah, how you doing? He goes, how's my kid doing? I go, well, you know. Not really following the rules. Well, don't bother. Let, let them do what they want. Don't mess with my kid. As a coach, I hear it. And as a parent, I need to be careful not to side with the child. 
but to make sure that I really see what's going on and deal with the authority. We have, we live in a world where rebellion, where they pamper the rebellion. Oh, look how cute. He threw a cookie at his mommy. Isn't that cute? Look how he talks to the mommy. Isn't that cute that he tells her? Look how nice that is. And we pamper it. And not only that, we support it. Oh, my kid did what in class? Well, my kid's a saint. Don't worry. My kid wouldn't do that. What did he do? Punch someone in the nose? Don't worry. That won't happen again. My kid's a great kid. And we pamper it. And we're really doing them an injustice. Go to the rec center now and have your kid go into sports. They don't take score. Because they don't want the child to feel what? Bad. So the child can't lose in anything. I'm there. I'm keeping score. I'm like, what is it? Oh, yeah, I know what it is. I know. Make sure that my kid, you know what I mean? And at the end of it, if they don't tell me loss, I tell them. You know, and they don't want to tell them anything. They don't do that stuff because we live in a sinful world that pampers that. And our culture is just getting worse and worse. It's getting worse and worse. So what do we do? Well, they need the spirit of God. We saw that. And we saw how the Spirit of God can change every child. And why bring children into the world? I'll tell you why. Because we bring children into the world because we know that the Spirit of God, once it comes into that child, can make that child be all that God wants it to be. It's exciting to have children. I praise the Lord for each one. And even though they have a sinful nation, they got to deal with sinful parents in a sinful world, there is hope for every child. And really, we can get to this passage and look at it and just say, children, you need to obey. Amen. You need to obey. You need to honor. Amen. All parents are like, what a message. But really, parents, this falls on us too. We're going to look at this. And let me just say this. Outside of the marriage relationship, the parent-child relationship is a tremendous testimony of who God is. Yes. They're watching us. We're going to see that in a moment. But look how he starts off. He starts off in Ephesians 6, 1. He says this. He goes, children. That's an interesting word. I never really understood this passage like I do now because it's not just talking about little babies that come out. It's talking about unmarried children that are still under the authority and under the same home as the parent. And even it goes on beyond that. And really it's talking about children who understand their relationship with God. Now, don't miss this. This is not for a four-month-year-old. I was told that I need to spank Ellie at four months. That she's being a rebellious little baby and we need to spank her. Look at her. Spank her. She's four months old. Spank her at four months. That's how I was taught to bring up kids. Ellie got away with nothing. Nothing. She's downstairs with Katie now. And she knows she would amen me and all this. She got away with nothing. What did she do? She dropped her fry. Hey, wait! I was on her for everything. That's what I was taught. These are children who understand that they have a responsibility before God. That takes time. And, and before they understand that, we ought to create that in the home. But, but it's not like you're looking at children that you're saying it is to your two-month-old and saying, you need to start obeying, right? No, this is not for them. These are for the unmarried ones who are living in the home. And notice what it says here. Children obey who? Parents. It's plural. It's not just mommy. It's mommy and daddy. And we all know it as a parent. They try to pit us against each other. That's why I like this. What does mommy say and what does mommy think before you ask me? Well, I want to know that too. 
Because we have to be careful. It's happened in our marriage. They ask me for something. I'm like, yeah, let's go. Katie's like, no, I don't want that. Ooh, ooh. I already said it was okay. And now they pit us against each other. Make sure to know. It's parents. It's plural here. It's both of them. And notice the first word here. There's two commands in the passage. We're going to look at them. The first one is obey. Now, this is an interesting word. It, it, it's, it literally means to put yourself under the hearing of someone. It's not, not just a, a blind obedience or you don't understand the obedience. You hear the command. The command is sensible. The command is clear. You hear it and you understand it and you put yourself under it. It's interesting that in the Bible it's used of how we hear Christ. When we listen to Christ, what do we do? We listen to Christ, we put ourselves under his words, and we obey them. When we hear the gospel, we put ourselves under the gospel, we obey the gospel. When we hear the word of God, we put ourselves under the word of God and we obey the word of God. The same thing is there. He's saying this, you hear a command, you listen to it, and you obey it. Now, that's easy to say, right? How do they react when you say, can you clean your room? What's that? What's the reaction there? Oh, yeah, I got a little. <laughs> now, Bob the Builder's on now. Can I do it later? No one watches Bob the Builder anymore. Maybe I'm an outdated parent. <laughs> How about this? Did you do your homework? You guys love those commands, right? How about this one? I, I like this one. Um, you need to be home by this time. They all love those, don't they? They just thank you for that, and they just praise God for all those things, right? You know what happens? It goes through one ear and out the other. Let me tell you, as a pastor, that's my life. You heard the three that went shooting. Uh, they were shooting. They went antelope hunting. It's antelope season, right? And, and so this pastor, this lawyer, and this doctor, they go out, and they're all there, and they grab their guns, and there's the antelope comes, and boom, they shoot it. And the thing falls down. They say, who was it? And so the doctor goes over and says, it was the pastor. The lawyer says, how do you know it was the pastor? It could have been me. He says, I know, because it went through one ear and out the other. That's how they live. Right? That's our lives. That's parenting. But really what it's saying is that the child ought to listen to the command. It ought to be sensible. The command ought to be clear. Sometimes we get so upset that they don't listen, but the, the command isn't clear. They don't know what to do. It ought to be clear. It ought to be sensible. And notice this. Look what Ted Tripp, this book is, this book, without challenge, without excuse, and without delay. Wow. Because these are the three things that happen when we ask. Clean your room. But Ma, I don't want to clean my room. I don't want But I, I cleaned it last week and I did clean it. Look. And it's half. It, it, it just fit a little bit. Or I'll clean it later. I'll do it. And there's a delay. And we're not teaching what? Obedience. Can you imagine us doing that to Christ? Christ, I hear what you say. But you know what? I really don't want to do it today. I'll start reading my Bible tomorrow. I'll witness next week. Or do you really want me to talk to that person? That person, I, I really don't want. We would never do that to Christ. And yet we allow that in the relationship. We don't make excuses. When the word of God says something, we do it. Without challenge, without excuse, without delay. And so that word is there. And let me just say this. 
We live in a world. Do we live in the end times? Do we live in the end times? Do you really believe that? Do you want to know one of the characteristics of the end times? Let's look at this. Characteristics of a pagan society. When, when, when Paul mentions this in Romans chapter 1, a society that has gone down, look what he lists here. He says this. They're slanderers. They're haters of God. They're insolent. They're arrogant. They're boastful. They're inventors of evil. And look at the next thing. Disobedient to who? We boast that we live in a Christian society and all this. Look at the pagan society. What is one of the characteristics of a pagan society? They are disobedient to who? Parents. Notice this next one here in First, First Timothy, Second Timothy three one. It says, "But realize this: that in the last days, difficult times will come." It's going to get hard. And what are some of those difficult times? Look at verse 2. For men will be lovers of themselves. It says here, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, reviles, and what? Disobedient to parents. It's getting harder to have obedient children. And we can put all the guilt on them and try to manipulate that. I'll give you five bucks if you obey. And manipulate obedience. And yet it never works unless we deal with the real heart issues. And here's where this passage is beautiful. When we are trying to cultivate obedience in the home, notice what he says here. I love this. Children, obey your parents. What? In the Lord. We're not telling them to obey because we know better or because we're their authority or, or we're the parents and they're the child. We're, we're, we're encouraging them to obey because this pleases God. And so we make it about God, not about us. In fact, Colossians 3.20 says, Children, obey your parents for this pleases God. So when he talks about in the Lord, he's talking about as to the Lord. You're doing this to please God. One of my professors would say to his kids after they would obey, he would say, guess who's smiling? Jesus is smiling. You're pleasing God. Instead of saying, you better do this because if you don't do it, I'm going to knock you out tomorrow. I'm telling you, I will knock you out. I will handle this like you've never seen before. You want to mess with me? I'll bring back my New York days. And that's not the obedience that God, that pleases God. We want them to do this because it's about their relationship with God. This pleases the Lord. One of my cousins reached out to me one time and says, I got a terrible father. And she, she has a, she goes, what do I do? I says, what is your goal as a daughter? And she goes, I don't know. I said, what is your goal? I says, your goal ought to be please God. And when you want to please God, no matter how bad they are, we please them. Now it says in the Lord, which is important because we can never ask our children to sin. We can never ask them to do things that don't please them. And we can never stop them when they're on their way to serve God. We never have the right to stop that or to do anything to, to end that. I remember because I was 20 years old and I had a decision to make. Am I going to get baptized or am I going to listen to what my father says that says don't get baptized? And I had a choice, and that was a hard choice for a 20-year-old. I was still under his roof. I was still under his authority. So I decided to get baptized. And my step-grandmother at the time, she comes up to me and goes, you don't love your father. I said, why don't I love him? She goes, you don't love him because you decided to get baptized, and he told you not to get baptized. 
When they tell you not to serve God, that's where their authority ends. We still serve the Lord. It may put a rift, and it did put a rift. He ripped my Bible. He was mad. He was mad. But yet, it's in the Lord. So the motivation is, children, we obey. Why? We, we, we submit to them, not because they're great parents or they know better than you. It's because you want to please God. And then he says this, it's right. It's right. It's morally right. This is what we ought to do. It's not like, so it's wrong not to do that. That's what he's saying. It's right to do it. It's biblically right. This is what God's want. This is what's morally right. That's why you do it. I remember one time Johnny, he was doing something. I'm like, wow, son, you did all these things. Why did you do these things? Johnny, he goes, dad, because it's right. I was like, wow, you're pretty biblical, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, wait a minute. I was waiting for him because dad, I want you to take me out. Or dad, I want you to give me more money. Or dad, so, none of that. Dad, it's right. I think he got it. He understood it. That was the only time he ever obeyed. But anyway, you know, obeyed him. He'll get me later. I'll give you five bucks. But really, the motivation, we need to make sure that it's not about us. It's about their relationship with God. Because we make our mistakes. Their tendency, their bent is to be, what, lazy, to, to be greedy, to not want to do things. That's the bent of every child. That's the bent of all of us. So now as the Spirit of God is working in their lives, we're trying to help them. Look, this pleases God when you obey. When you hear a command and without challenge, without excuse, without delay, you do it. It's in the Lord. We're not asking you to sin. We can't ask you to sin. And this pleases God and it's right. But he goes beyond that. Because here's what I fear. In a lot of churches, we just try to get children that are right on the outside. But we never deal with the heart. And let me say something. We can manipulate obedience on the outside. But one thing we can never manipulate is the heart. That will come out. And that's why he goes to the next one. And he says, right at the attitude, he goes, honor your father and your mother. Here's the heart issue. Here is the proper attitude towards parents. And this, by the way, never ends. It does not end. When they die, yes, it could still be in your heart that you're bitter and mad at your parents. Now, some parents don't Make it easy for this command. And this is not talking about, oh, you're abused, just keep staying in an abused home and don't worry about that. That's not what it's saying here. When there's abuse, the authorities ought to get involved. There ought to be things that are stopped in that. It's not just saying, honor your parents and let them beat you up and let them abuse you all the time. That's not what it's saying. But it is saying that there ought to be a hard attitude towards our parents. An attitude of the heart of respect I love this word honor because the word means to count as valuable, to, to value them, to revere them. And we think about this in the world that we live in right now, where the disrespect towards parents, I mean, it is incredible. Where they call them by their first names. While they say things about their parents that are just unbelievable. And the things that they bring up and how they talk to them and about them. And it doesn't please God. 
He says, I want you to have a heart attitude. I want that heart, that proper attitude towards your parents. You say, how can I honor my parents? Well, that's a great, that's a great question. Here it is, by forgiving them. Do they make mistakes? You better believe it. This was, this was really hard, even for me. Because my dad was in jail for years. And when he came out of jail, I never forget the, the first day that I saw him. I was 13 years old and I open up the door and he gives me a hug. And I'm sitting there and my arms are just lit. I'm like, who is this guy hugging me? Who does he think he is? He's been in jail for 13 years and now he's going to been in and out of jail. He's never been around. And now he's hugging me like everything's all right. My attitude, my heart. And then he started to call me and he would call me a day after my birthday. He always missed my birthday. He called me November 3rd. By the way, November 2nd, save your money. But November 3rd, <laughs> he would call me up. I'm sorry, I missed you. I, I missed this. I missed that. But as he was calling me and as he was talking to me, my heart started to change. It doesn't mean that you just forgive and forget. That's not what it's saying. But we honor our parents by having a right attitude and letting it go and releasing the mistakes that they have made. Remember, it's not talking about turn a blind eye if they abuse you and do stuff like that, but it is talking about letting go of those things that you hold on to. It also, by forgiving them, you, you speak well of them and to them. Call them dad and mom, not by their first names. Don't huff and puff, pout, talk back to them like they're a piece of trash. Respect for parents. I remember I was in a store one time and the kid goes like this to his mom. No, no, no. I'm, you're not going to tell me what you're going to buy me. I'm going to tell you what you're going to buy me for Christmas. And the mother goes, okay, honey, I'm sorry, honey. I'll help you over here. If my kid said that, he'd be in Denver right now. <laughs> Express service. Probably not. You know another way? Thank them. Think of all the things. You know what it costs to raise a child? Yeah, think about this. Somebody did a little survey. $250,000 per child from the baby till they're 18 years old. I got a million bucks living in my home. I need to take my four or five side churches to do this. I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, this ain't easy. Where's the money coming from? And yet thank them. Thank them for their hard work. Thank them for what they're doing. Look at this. This what you want to make a you want to make a parent proud. Seek their advice. Oh boy, one, one time said you want to give a pastor a heart attack. Tell him you're going to serve in the church, and then he'll drop dead. You want to give a you want to give a parent a heart attack. Ask him for advice. Say, hey, can I ask you advice on this one? Wow, that's a way of honoring. But let me tell you the most important thing here, and this is why it never ends: by supporting them in their old age. Let me tell you what I love about parenting is that it reverses later on. And one day, my four beautiful children will take care of me. Isn't that great? Now, one amen. <laughs> but we live in a society, and here's what's sad about the society we live in. We live in society with millions of elderly people in homes where their kids can care less. And that is sad. 
Where instead of taking care of them in their older age, they say, you know what, this place, and maybe there is a time that you have to put them in a home and it, it's out of your hands and that's okay. But to not visit them, to not talk to them, to not be there for them, that's where this society has gone. And we honor our parents by supporting them even in their older age. That's why I praise God for my in-laws taking care of Grandma Joy. We're not going to take care of them because Josh has the house there. Amen. No, I'm kidding around. <laughs> but even Josh, when he bought their house there, they were, they were ready to build a home for their parents. You go to other societies outside the United States, you will see this happening. You come here. Oh, Mama's sick. There they go. I remember um, one, one couple I was dealing with, their, their parents, uh, one of them died, and then the other one we had, a, we had a deal with, and I could not believe, only had two daughters, I could not believe that neither, either one of those daughters wanted nothing to do, oh yeah, just put them in a home, I don't care about my dad. Wow, that's the society we live in. And that is not honoring our mother and father. This does not end. That's why I thank the Lord, Brian, and the sacrifice that them and Stephanie made. Bring their parents into their home. That's how it should be. And so we do that because why? Look at this. This is amazing. There's a promise here. And don't forget, and Paul is a great dispensationalist, amen? Because watch this. All right, I didn't get one amen from the front row here. But yeah, amen. Paul is a great dispensationalist, because why? Watch this. It's a first commandment with a promise. He doesn't say here that they'll live long in the promised land. Remember, the promise is in the Old Testament, where he says to the Israelites' children, if you do this, you'll live long in the land. Here he says you live long on the earth. But I don't want you to miss this in verse 3. He says, so that it may be well with who? With who? Don't miss this. He says... Children, obey and honor. Why? So it would be well with who? Not with your parents. Not with society. With you. You will live a different quality of life. Your life will be different and blessed as you submit to listen to them and don't just follow the foolish heart, but submit to what they're telling you. And not only that, listen to them, honor them in your heart. You will be different. I, I look at this and boy, I wish, you know, I was an unsaved kid for years. My brother, the decisions he made, he wouldn't listen. In and out of drug rehabs, lost jobs, lost a family. One thing after another. Paul's saying, it'll be well. You'll have a different life if you obey this. Now, we can read the next part and say that you'll live long on the earth to say you're going to have a long life, but that's not always true. Some children who are obedient and are honoring die. So please don't use this verse and say, you want to avoid COVID, obey me. Because that's not what it's saying. Or you'll never get sick if you just do this. That's not what it's saying. But it is saying that the quality of life will be different. There will be a different kind of life when you stay in the sphere of God's blessing. 
When God can take care of you, when you listen, you put, and, 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 you, and you stay away from the things. I, I thank the Lord for some of the things that my, my grandfather taught me. Even as a young age, he would say, the money comes and goes, but the conscience lasts forever. Make sure that you are a man of integrity. You look at these things, there's a safekeeping and there's a blessing there. But let me tell you something else there is. There is an impact for Christ that we will see because they're watching our families. In Argentina, one of my heroes in the faith, he was a man whose church never got too big, but he loved the Lord. He had a neighbor come and knock on his door one day and said, we are watching your children and how they react to you. We are watching this, and guess what? We want to get saved. And so, in tears, watching their children and seeing how they reacted, this man got to lead them to Christ. They're watching us. And we're not going to have a perfect home because we have sinful children and they have sinful parents and they're living in a sinful world. But when they see that we're trying to create an atmosphere where they can obey because the commands are sensible, and we're going to talk more about that next week, and clear, where there's honor when they call you dad and they respect you and they, they, they love you, they have the proper attitude there, that impacts societies. But yet Satan is destroying us one home at a time. And we are letting the world dictate how we should raise our children. And we've missed it. And we are pampering their rebellion. And we're allowing them to do what they want because you know what? It's hard to be a parent. More on that next week, Lord willing. If I make it. My kids don't jump me. <laughs> but outside, let me go back to this, and I'll end with this. Outside of the marriage relationship, one of the strongest testimonies that we can have is a parent-child relationship. Now, we have our regrets, we have our guilt. But to be able to show them in the scriptures that they obey because this pleases God, because it's right. That they honor because God will bless that. We give them the wonderful motivation that they need to allow the Spirit of God to help them to be all that God wants them to be. One of the most emotional things about being in New York was being able to show the family and meet the family and show the kids to some of my family. They've never met them. My Uncle Dom, one of the only uncles left, they're all dead. He's alive. To have them hug Uncle Dominic and to be with him. He wrote me a, a text afterwards and he said uh, through his daughter, Jeremy, I couldn't be any happier. The family you got. Praise God. Now, if he only knew all the struggles. But praise God. And he didn't even know Christ. Maybe God will use that in his life to impact him for Christ. We have the opportunity. Let's do it while we can. Let's pray.
Our Heavenly Father, we, we thank you so much for this wonderful passage. I never understood this passage like I do now. The responsibility is not just on the children, it's on us as well as parents. But yet, Lord, the responsibility is ultimately on the Spirit of God working in their lives to help them to be all that you want them to be. So help the motivations to be right. Help us to to portray to them that their obedience pleases you. And it's right before you and the society we live in. Help us, Lord, to remind them that the honor that they ought to have, the attitude, the proper attitude in the heart, the whole life of the parent, not just when they're in the home. God, I don't know, maybe there's someone here right now today that's struggling with a hard attitude towards their parents. That, Father, right now, you would help them to release that. That, Lord, that you would change our hearts and give us the attitude that we need towards them, whether they're alive or dead. Because sometimes we hold on to those bad attitudes long after the grave. And we need to release it. Lord, thank you. When your son was on the cross, cried out, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. We need that kind of forgiveness in our homes. Because I'd be the first to admit as a parent, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, I've read the books. But I don't know what I'm doing. I need your grace. I need your mercy. I need your help. And most of all, I need the Spirit of God to control me and to help me. So Lord, I pray that our homes would reflect your goodness so that God, that others around us would see and say, I want your God. We pray all this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.